Well, hey there. It's so good to be with all of you today. If we haven't yet had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. We exist as a business to help impact-driven leaders step into who they are created to be so that others may benefit and God may be glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of that mission, that calling coming to life for impact-driven leaders. And I'm really excited because we're doing something a little bit different on today's podcast. And that's because really over the course of the past couple of months, I've seen a theme and I've seen a trend. I talk to leaders, I talk to business owners, I talk to individuals who are highly driven within their career. And so often they express the sentiment that they are trapped by the thing that they're building. That's a scary place to be. Have you ever been there before, or maybe you're there right now, where you feel trapped, you feel constrained, you feel contained by the thing that you're supposedly building and owning? That's so easy to do, and it's so easy to set out in pursuit of freedom, and in reality, where we end up is in a place that feels and looks like the furthest thing from freedom. And so what I wanted to share with you today is a message that I preached at Cornerstone Church. Now, Cornerstone Church was founded just over a year ago by my good friend and mentor, Dan Underhill. It is an absolutely unbelievable church. Seriously, if you are ever in or around Austin, Texas, you have to go check out Cornerstone because, man, there is something in the water there. Those people are just some of my favorite people on the planet. I love them to death, and God is doing amazing things through that church. Dan asked me to preach a couple of months ago, and I decided that the thing that I wanted to speak on, the thing that I felt called to speak on, was on the topic of finding freedom. Because so often, the way that we experience freedom is directly related to the place that we choose to find it. Now, I've told you over and over again on this podcast, I'm never going to press my beliefs on you, and I never want to tell you what you need to believe. But I'm also not going to ignore what I believe. And I'm absolutely convinced that the principles that are outlined in this message can apply to you regardless of whether you and I share the same religion. So listen for the principles which teach us to find freedom in stillness, find freedom in scarcity, and find freedom in surrender. This is Finding Freedom. I freaking love July 4th. If I was given the option, that is how I would celebrate every single holiday. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. Fireworks, we're outside, it's summer. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Fireworks, outside, it's summer, right? Every single holiday should be celebrated the way we celebrate July 4th because for me, that's what represents celebration. But how many of you felt like this July 4th felt just a little bit different? Something about this whole freedom rally cry and talking about our liberty feels a little bit different when you're not allowed to leave your house, doesn't it? And that topic of freedom is one that's become really a a hot topic as of late, whether it's the freedom to be out and about, the freedom to gather in public, the freedom to go to the grocery store without wearing a mask, the freedom to be more than or less than six feet away from someone. But more than that, I mean, you better believe the racial tension conversation that's going on right now. The word that keeps getting used with regard to that is freedom, our freedoms, our liberties, our rights as human beings and citizens in this country, that topic of freedom. And you better believe that as we get closer to November, as we get closer to election day, that topic of freedom is going to be one that's focused on. It's going to be one that's discussed. It's going to be one that's examined. And already, I was looking this morning, there's articles that coming out side by side, 
Donald Trump is a threat to freedom and democracy. On the other side, Nancy Pelosi is a threat to freedom and democracy. The topic of freedom is one that is such a hot topic right now, and it's one that we would be wise to attend, to examine, and to look at. And that's why today I want to focus on finding freedom. Because one of the things that I know to be true, one of the things that I've learned and honestly am currently learning in this season is that the way we experience freedom is so often directly related to the place that we find it. The way that we experience freedom is so often directly related to the place that we choose to find it. And that applies directly to the more tactical elements of freedom that we're all experiencing about wearing a mask and gathering in public like we're doing today, but it also applies to the more existential areas of freedom that are dominating the national discussion that we're facing right now. The way that we experience freedom is directly related to the place that we choose to find it. And so we think about this topic of freedom and the definition of freedom, the top one that I found on Google was the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. Again, it's the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. Now, I read that, and then through that lens, I thought about, okay, let's think about the life of Jesus Christ. And even if you're not considering Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, even if you're just looking at the life of Jesus as a guy, which most historians, almost all historians say that you cannot with intellectual honesty say that Jesus Christ didn't exist because there is so much evidence that he existed. It's mounds and mounds of evidence. And so if we just look at the life of Jesus as a guy, his ministry, the bulk of his ministry occurred over three years. And over the course of that three years, we see an exemplified life of what it looks like to have the right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. I mean, this is a picture of a guy who did what he wanted. He flew in the face of opinion and expectation. He completely turned things upside down. He disagreed with people. He challenged people. He went against people. He contradicted the norms of society and expectation. That's why so many young people today hate religion, but they love Jesus. They love Jesus because he he exemplified what we perceive to be freedom. He did what he wanted. And thankfully, we know that what he wanted was also what God wanted. But when we think about that idea of freedom, he was someone that that was able to turn things on their head. And at the same time that he was turning things on their head, he was able to walk the line of honoring authority, which is pretty crazy. When they brought him into court to be convicted, they couldn't convict him of anything. They had to make it up. And so we, we have this example in Jesus of someone that lived absolutely free, but he also lived in a society by the rules and regulations of his time. And in doing so, he was able to make an impact in that three years of ministry that absolutely changed human history. He was someone that exemplified freedom. The character of Jesus is freedom personified. And so we have something to learn from that. But what we said at the beginning and the thesis of this whole message that we're going to be discussing today is that the way we experience freedom is always directly related to the place that we find it. The way we experience freedom is directly related to the place that we find it. And it's so neat. One of the things I'm so grateful for anytime I get to come and communicate here 
is it challenges me to look at a passage of the Bible that I've read and bring more depth and intensity to it because I know I'm going to be talking to talking about it. And this is absolutely what happened. So we're going to turn to Luke 4 is where we're going today. If you have Bibles with you, if not, it may be on the screen as well. Luke 4 is where we're at. So it's the temptation of Jesus. And I'm going to read the whole thing and then we're going to break it down. It says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will." If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. As I was reading that, and as I dove into those 13 verses, there were so many things that stood out to me about where we have the opportunity to find freedom. Now, I think Jesus, over the course of his lifetime, found freedom in many different places and through many different means and strategies, but there are so many things, there are so many principles, there are so many practices that we can find in these 13 verses that show us where we can find freedom. Because so often we focus on the symptoms of freedom. Jesus did what he wanted. He said what he wanted. He acted the way that he wanted. But we don't look at the source of freedom. And what we have in these 13 verses was the source of freedom that I believe served as the foundation for the next three years of ministry that ultimately changed the course of humanity. And so what we're going to look at today is three specific sources of freedom, three specific arenas where we can find freedom, three specific practices, three specific principles. Number one is we can find freedom in stillness. Number two is we can find freedom in scarcity. And number three is we can find freedom in surrender. And I know this whole series is called Reform the Norm. And what we're going to really understand and what we're going to learn today and what I learned as I was looking through these 13 verses is that, man, this flies in the face of what is normal today. We are going to find freedom, not in activity, but we're going to find freedom in stillness. We're not going to find freedom just in our own abundance, but we are going to find freedom in, in scarcity. We are not going to find freedom in being the high and mighty individual. We are going to be, find freedom in being surrendered. And so that's what we're going to walk through today. And the first one we're going to walk to is stillness. Everyone say stillness. Very good. Say stillness. I just until uh, really recently, I got to be the host of a program called the Entree Leadership Podcast. How many of you uh, know what a podcast is? 
Okay, very good. And all the others are over the age of 50. Great. I'm messing with y'all. So podcast is essentially, it's something that's on your smartphone. And I got to do this thing and they asked me to step in and, and be the host of this program. It, just incredible. It was out of Ramsey Solutions. And man, last year it was downloaded 8.5 million times. And I got to be the person that got to be the voice on this thing. It was so cool. But honestly, it was an incredible honor to be have that many downloads. But more than that, it was what I realized was really cool is when I realized people that I knew were listening to it. And like my friends would tell me like, oh yeah, yeah, I heard that podcast. And I would have family members tell me, oh yeah, I heard that podcast. My 80 year old grandma said, oh, when I was listening to you on that podcast, what the heck? Grandma, you listen to podcasts? Awesome. And so this was really cool. And, and I thought it was awesome until one day I was talking to a friend of mine about it and talking about one of the specific conversations that we recorded for the podcast. And, and I said something about it or something that I learned. And he looked at me and said, oh, I guess I missed that part. I always listen to you on 1.5 speed. I was like, what? <laughs> so you can speed it up. You don't have to listen to it like real life speed. You can speed it up to one point. I was appalled. I was so offended because my friend was saying, you don't talk fast enough for me. So I put you on 1.5 speed so I could listen to you faster. And I was just, I was, I was blown away because I was like, the pauses, the art, the conversation, the the intensity, right? I took this so seriously. And he was like, oh, 1.5 speed. We're just going to cut through all that. They even have an app now where you can cut through all the pauses, right? And he's like, oh, just get rid of all that. I was like, okay, well, you didn't actually listen to it. So I went to another friend of mine and I told her, I was like, we were talking about it. And I said, you know, you know, this guy, he said, he told me he listened to it at 1.5 speed and I was just losing. I was just like, that just ruins everything that podcast is all about. How dare he? Like, I don't even know if we're friends anymore. Little dramatic. But I was telling her this and she said, oh, Alex, I listened to you on 2.0 speed. (laughs) Excuse me? But isn't this so true that everything is getting faster and everything gets faster. Everything is getting busier. I read recently that Netflix is currently testing giving its users the ability to watch Netflix at 1.5 speed. So we can binge two seasons instead of one season in a day. We're speeding up. We're moving faster. And this whole lie that we bought into was we're going to move faster so we have more time. We don't have more time. We move faster so we can get busier. And when we get busier, we have to move faster. And then we move faster so we get busier. And then we get busier so we have to move faster. And then we move faster, we get busier, faster, busier, faster, busier, faster, busier. And in the middle of that, Jesus says, stop. Be still and know that I am God. So how does that relate to what we're reading here in Luke 4? Well, to understand really what's going on here in Luke 4 you kind of have to look at the chapters and the verses and and the passages that precede Luke 4. Because if you even just look at the subtitles here, Luke 3, subtitled, John the Baptist prepares the way. So John the Baptist is this character that is literally on earth and has been prophesied to be getting things ready for Jesus. So he's getting things ready. He's getting things prepared. And then even before John the Baptist, Jesus, we know that Jesus was born and it was like this huge deal. It wasn't like one day he showed up as the Messiah. It was like, there were people that knew this is the guy that was prophesied. This is the guy that we had talked about. That was 30 years earlier that had happened. And before that, hundreds and hundreds of years earlier, there were prophets like Isaiah who said, this guy is coming. 
We're telling you the king, the Messiah, the person that is going to save your soul and save humanity, the person that is going to make things right and make things good again, the person that is going to free us from sin and free us of shame, he is coming and everyone knew it was Jesus. And so John the Baptist in Luke 3 is preparing the way. And then the next passage in Luke 3 is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So it walks through everyone from Adam through Noah, through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, through Jesse, through David, all the way up to Joseph, Jesus's dad, to Jesus himself. And so what we can see here in the book of Luke is that this was something that was anticipated. This is something that was expected. And so in Luke 3, whenever Jesus shows up to be baptized and they say, oh my gosh, this is the guy. And then he is baptized and the Holy Spirit comes down on him like a dove. And he knows that his ministry is about to begin. Like literally everyone must have looked around and said, it's about to go down. Look at your neighbor and say, it's about to go down. So much anticipation There were like two people that did that with way too much like excitement. They were like really excited about it. I like you people. Okay, so, so much anticipation, so much excitement. Everything's ramping up. Everything's building up. This guy is coming to save humanity. Everything's getting faster. Now, if you're like me, the first thing you would do in that situation, the minute that happens and you say, okay, it's about to go down, is you would get to work. And Jesus turns that expectation on his head. Because immediately after all of that occurs, the first verse in Luke 4 is that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan where he was baptized and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. 30 years of expectation. Honestly, hundreds of years of anticipation. And it's about to go down. And he says, I got to go for a second. I got to leave. I'm going to the wilderness. He went to seek stillness. And it says that he was led by the Holy Spirit. And we're told elsewhere in the Bible that we are either led by the Spirit or we're led by the flesh. When he attended to the Spirit of God that was inside of him, he moved towards stillness. He moved towards the wilderness. So often we think we find freedom in activity, but in reality, we find freedom in stillness. And think about how bold that is. Think about how audacious that is. Think about how courageous that is, that in a world that is obsessed with faster and busier, we have the faith to be still. Because that's an act of faith. Think about this for a second. If you are in control of your life, if you are in control of your life, if you are the master of your fate, if your destiny is completely and wholly in your hands, you don't have the luxury of being still. It doesn't make any sense. Why would you be still? You've got to hustle. You've got to grind. You've got to move. You've got to go. But if God is in control, if there's a Lord and Savior that has it all figured out, if there is a plan, if there's something bigger, greater, and grander than ourselves, and that's telling us to be still, when then we release control and we say, be still and know that I am God. In a world that is obsessed with faster and busier, have the audacity and the faith to be still. That is what separates the Christ follower for someone that doesn't, and that is sustainable. When we choose to say, this isn't about me, I don't have all this figured out, and the good news is I don't have to. 
because the vitality of your soul depends on the stillness of your body. The health of your soul depends on the stillness of your body. Breathe in real quick. Breathe out. One more time. Breathe in. Breathe out. That is so different. That doesn't happen. For many of us, that could be the first deep breath we've taken in a while. And that's where we find freedom. Not through activity, not through busyness, not through speed, but through stillness. In the midst of expectation and anticipation, Jesus stepped away to be still. He went to the wilderness because the vitality of your soul depends on the stillness of your body. And that brings us to finding freedom in scarcity. This one was challenging for me. This one was really challenging for me because I I work in the entrepreneurship space and I own a business myself and so much in the entrepreneurship space is really about that word abundance, right? We got to have abundance. We got to have abundance. We got to have abundance. And, And I believe in that. Like, I think there's so much value towards having an abundance mindset. I've seen that operate in fruitful ways in my life. I've seen that operate in other people's lives. And yes, abundance flows through us. We have the opportunity to abundantly seize the world around us. Everything is operating in a abundance. And I've seen the detriments and the consequences of operating strictly from a posture of scarcity. The question is, where does your abundance come from? There's too much out there right now that is preaching abundance, but it is abundance that's rooted in me. It's not self-improvement, it's selfish improvement. And it's saying, my abundance is a result of my mindset. My abundance is a result of my willpower. My abundance is a result of my goals, my wishes, my dreams. It's me. And that's not what we believe. We believe that God's abundance is magnified through our scarcity. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If we read Luke 4, verse 2, we'll just start from verse 1 again. It says, in Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days. So he went to be still, being tempted by the devil. Okay, so he knows he's being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. I love how they put like, oh, he didn't eat for 40 days. By the way, when it was done, he was hungry. It's like, yeah, duh, he was hungry, right? Like what? I mean, he didn't eat for 40 days, but I think the reason why that's in the Bible, I think the reason why that's in there is because they're saying, remember, he wasn't just fully God. He was fully man. He didn't eat for 40 days. And I think the reason why he did that is because he knew that when we reckon with our scarcity, that's when we most fully experience God's abundance. When we reckon, when we realize our scarcity, that's when we get to experience the reality of God's abundance. How many of you have ever been to an all-inclusive resort or something like that? Have any of you ever been here? Yeah, I get so excited about this stuff. I always tell friends of mine, like, man, the only thing better than guacamole is unlimited guacamole, right? And I just like, I just love the idea of unlimited. It's like, you can have as much as you want. The first time I I got to one, I was like, I just don't believe this is true. And so I think I tried to test it. I was like, if I just keep asking stuff, they'll just keep bringing stuff. And and it's like, it's so true. It's just like, it just keeps coming. It just keeps coming. And so like for a while, like the phrase all-inclusive was just my favorite phrase. I was like, oh, it's all-inclusive. It's all-inclusive. I don't know if you know this, but this resort is all-inclusive. And I started like, I thought it was a secret that only I had figured out. I was telling everyone, like, I don't know if you know this, but this place is all-inclusive. I got so excited about it. 
And how many of you have had this experience at maybe on a cruise or at an all-inclusive resort where you realize like all-inclusive is great for about two days and then on day three, it really sucks. How many of you have ever experienced that? Because we get so excited about unlimited, but we weren't created for unlimited. And I was thinking about this and this could be dramatizing it a little bit because I don't think this is always the case. Sometimes it's like, I just really like guacamole, right? But occasionally, the reason why I like to pursue unlimited, the, the reason why I love endless, the reason why I constantly want more is because I want to play God. Because when I pursue unlimited, if I have unlimited in my life, why do I need God? Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We weren't created for unlimited. That's God's job. God gets to be our source of abundance. God gets to be our source of provision. God says, out of my provision and providence and purpose, that's where you experience life. That's where you experience freedom. Not out of you saying, I can do it all and I will. Because it's when we recognize our limitations, when we see that we are limited, we see that God is unlimited. When we see that we are finite, we see that God is infinite. When we see our poverty, we see that God is rich. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about the business leaders and the business owners that I get to work with every day. And one of the things that, that we do within the business I own, and then also with the place that I came from at Ramsey Solutions, is we would have these groups of business leaders, business owners, and the people that I work with now, we always say we want to work with high-performing, impact-driven leaders, which there are so many blessings that come from that. These people are some of the most hardworking and well-intentioned people on the planet. I love them to death. But so often, especially whenever we come to our first meeting, and it's six other business leaders, and they're coming for support. They're coming for accountability. They're coming for compassion. They're coming to really get help working on their business and not just in their business, which is something that we really focus on. They show up to these meetings, and because they're very driven individuals, they show up, and they show up to impress everyone. And they talk about all the areas they're strong. They're, they talk about all the areas they're great. They talk about all the areas they're winning. And I just look at them and I just think like, we can't help you. Like, I, we're very impressed. Awesome. Yay, you. I, like, I don't know what to do with that. And I was thinking about how to fix that with regard to our business. And then I realized that's what I do with God. I show up and I show him the areas I'm strong. I show him the areas I'm winning. I show him the areas that I'm great. And he says, Alex, I don't want to be impressed by you. I just want to be with you. I just want to help you. It's not in our abundance that God's presence is magnified. It's in our scarcity that God's abundance is magnified. Let's stop trying to show up to impress God. He says, I didn't create you to be a human doing. I created you to be a human being. Just be. Nothing to impress. Because if you're just showing up to impress you deny the need for grace. Grace. Amazing grace. His abundance is magnified when we reckon with our scarcity. And then finally, we find freedom through surrender. This was so cool because I was not expecting to get this lesson out of reading these verses. But we read here, it says the, the devil comes to Jesus as he's in the wilderness and he's hungry and he's operating from this place of scarcity. So he knows that he's dependent on God. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him. So he says, command this stone to become bread. So right there, the devil is saying to him, independence is possible. 
You can make this happen. You can satisfy your needs on your own. You can be a self-made man. You can make this stone bread. He says, independence is yours if you want it. Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. It is written. So he's referring to the word of God there. Keep that in mind. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him. So there the devil offered him, Satan offered him independence before. Now he's saying, okay, let's try power. What if I put power in front of you? You have authority now. You have the ability to rule over everything. Jesus once again refers to what God said. He says, the word of God, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Side note here, your pastor has challenged me repeatedly to memorize scripture. And I am so grateful for that. Jesus is confronted by Satan and Satan is trying to tell him lies And the thing that he uses against those lies is the scripture that he had memorized. That's our weapon. That's our tool. Let this be a place where the people who are in the chairs have scripture stored up in their hearts and minds that they may use it at the opportune time. When you're at the cashier, when you're in traffic, when you're at the toll booth, when someone's getting mad at you on the phone, when you have a customer service call, when you're having a conversation with your boss, when you're having a conversation with your employee, let us be the type of people that have the right word for the right time. That's what Jesus did. Verse nine, and he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. So now the devil's offering him control because he's saying like, okay, well, why don't you just go ahead and and jump off this building, right? But the minute he jumps off this building, he's testing God, right? He's saying, if I do this, will you do that? And that's not how God operates. God is God. We are human. And Jesus knows this. And Jesus once again references scripture and he answers him. It is said, you shall not be, you shall not put the Lord, your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. It was probably about two years ago now. I set out to do this thing in the month of March where I said, in the month of March, I'm going to sit down with 17 people that some of them I know, some of them are strangers, but I'm going to sit across from 17 people over a cup of coffee or over a Zoom call or over a meal And I'm just going to ask them a whole bunch of questions. And that's what I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them, I'm going to interview you. And it's going to be for three reasons. I want to get to know your story. I want to learn from your perspective. And I want to get past surface level as fast as possible. That's what I told them. And gosh, I had probably done 15 at this point. And every single one of them, I asked one question that was always the same. I asked them, what's your definition of success? And I'll tell you. I was really discouraged by how many people didn't have an answer to that question. Perhaps even more discouraging is the number of people who were Christ followers whose definition of success equated to happiness. Because it says in here, we, we were not necessarily created for happiness. That's not what it says. It says that we will face trial. We will face temptation. We will face tribulation. But in that, God may be glorified. 
And so I was really a little bit despondent, a little bit distressed with the answers that I was getting because these were all people that were deliberately focused on chasing and pursuing success. They were going after it and they had no idea what it was. They didn't have an answer. And then I'll never forget it. It was on a Zoom call. Interview number 16 was with Dan. And I sat down and we had talked for probably about 45 or 50 minutes at this point. And we came to the big question. And I was a little bit hyped up because I figured he might have an answer. And I asked him, I said, okay, this is something I've been asking everyone. But everyone, without a shadow of a doubt, everyone that I had asked up to that point had to really think about it. They had to sit there and think about it. And I looked at Dan in the webcam and I said, Dan, what's your definition of success? He didn't skip a beat. He answered right away. I'll never forget it. Such assertion, such conviction, such confidence. He looked at me and said, did I do what God said? What's your definition of success? Did I do what God said? The devil tempts Jesus in the wilderness. And Jesus says, it is written. He's essentially saying, it is said. He offers him independence. Jesus says, it is said. He offers him control. Jesus says, it is said. He offers him power. And Jesus says, it is said. We do not find freedom in success. We find freedom in surrender to the ideal of, did I do what God said? And that is where freedom comes from. We find freedom whenever we choose to ignore activity for a season to focus on stillness. We find freedom not in our own abundance, but in God's abundance that is magnified through our recognition of our scarcity. And we find freedom when we choose not to pursue success, but we choose to pursue surrender because success is by being able to say that I did what God said. In 2 Corinthians, it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There are people right now that are predicting we're about to get back on track. There are people right now that are saying things are getting better. There are people right now that are saying we're getting back to normal. And I will tell you my perception of things, that this whole conversation around freedom could get way worse before it gets better. And we would be wise to expect that. But the great news is that we do not find our freedom in the world. The great news is that we do not find our freedom in finances. The great news is that we do not find freedom in our physical appearance. The great news is that we do not find freedom in in social media appearance. The great news is that we don't find freedom from who's in the White House. The great news is that we don't find freedom in the stock market. The great news is where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the spirit of the Lord is in here. That's the gift. The question is, are we going to access it? through stillness, through the recognition of our scarcity, and through absolute, complete surrender. Well, I hope that was valuable for you. I hope it was life-giving, and I hope that you take it and you put those principles, finding freedom in stillness, finding freedom in scarcity, finding freedom in surrender, and you find ways to put them into action in your life so that others may benefit. And hey, I want to let you know that content like that, the messages that I get to give and the the times that I get to go speak and teach, that's actually stuff that we're going to start sending out over our Path for Growth email list. So if you want to get on that, you can click the link that's in the show notes, or you can just go to pathforgrowth.com. Make sure that you're on that email list because we've got another message that I preached on alignment where I talked about really how do you align your beliefs 
with your purpose, with your thoughts, with your words, with your actions. It was something that I was just so passionate about and I got the opportunity to teach on it. We're gonna be sending out the video for that message here very soon. So if you wanna sign up for that email list, go to pathforgrowth.com or click the link that's in the show notes. Hey, thank you so much for listening today. Know that I'm grateful for you. I'm rooting for you. We wanna see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.